Welcome to Dev Discussions, the podcast where I talk to developers about intermediate and advanced development topics. My name is Sean McCool and I'll be your host. In this episode, I'm talking with Jesse O'Brien and Ross Tuck about the command bus pattern. This is the audio portion of a live video hangout that we recorded, so there might be some weirdness. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the discussion. And we are now live. So, hello everybody. Um... My name is Sean McCool. I'm here with Jesse O'Brien and Ross Tuck. Um, we're kind of getting together to talk about some some design patterns that we've been working with, and uh, hopefully we can talk about them um, with you and answer some of your questions. And first, why don't uh, Jesse? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know your interests and experience uh, with this kind of thing? For sure. Uh, I'm Jesse. Uh, so I'm working at Vehicle right now. A uh, little. Not little, couple guys shop down in Waterloo here in Ontario, um, and I guess my experience with this kind of stuff is more. Uh, um, it's not greenfield based. It's it's a lot of you know how can I integrate it with a lot of legacy code and how can I start refactoring with it, um, and how can I make it applicable you know sort of day to day. So that's sort of where my interest lies. Um, beyond that. Uh, you know, I've I've had a lot of experience over the last probably year or so, just sort of implementing it in various contexts and different projects, and from even personal stuff to you know some of the some larger projects, and with you know sort of a, a team context as well as just myself. Um, so I've had a little bit of experience sort of juggling it around, which is nice. So, what about you, Ross? Uh, my name is Ross Stuck. I'm an independent engineer, coach, and consultant. Um, I've been using command buses for about, I'm not sure exactly how long, but at the moment I started deliberately doing it was about two years ago. And I've used it on again and off again in projects since then, um, a lot of legacy, but also uh, some newer projects, for example, uh, in different contexts with things like uh, APIs, but also uh, form-based and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, I really like it for a lot of different reasons, but we'll talk about that coming up soon. Okay, and my name's Sean McCool. I've been working um, with uh, the command-oriented interface for about a year and a half. I got into it uh, in no small part due to a talk that Ross gave called uh, Service Layers, Hobgoblins, and Hemoglobin or something along those lines, uh, which you can find on YouTube, and I, I definitely recommend you do that. And... Uh, yeah, so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the command bus specifically because there are a lot of questions and a lot of people have come to us and, and you know, had really, really good questions, so we're going to try to cover some of those. But I feel like we kind of were a little bit tricky when we named this this Hangout um, because I think we all feel pretty strongly that the command bus isn't, isn't really a DDD pattern. Um, Ross, do you want to talk about that for a moment? Uh, sure. So uh, to me, like a command bus is is just uh, well, it's basically a command pattern, sort of a, a typical old-fashioned design pattern. But when you use it to implement a service layer, which is a, a layer that separates your controller from your model, then you get what we call a command bus. It's it's just a particular way to use that. And people were using it before the term DDD was probably ever coined. They've been using it since, and it it works really well with a domain-driven design approach as well as other approaches but it's not inherently part of DDD, I think. You can be doing DDD with it, you can be doing DDD without it. It's, it's totally an orthogonal concern. So it's just a really useful way to structure your code. It, it's not actually related to the term. You just see it in domain-driven projects an awful lot. 
So what is what is it uh, the command bus exactly? What is the command in this context? How does that work? Well, uh, to me, a command is is basically it's a little object. In fact, calling it an object might even be kind of overkill because it's really more like a strictly formatted message, right? It's uh, it's it's just a little object. It has some properties. Maybe they're public. Maybe they're getters and setters. It has very very little logic. And what you do is you sort of fill out the command, and then you drop it on the bus, and then the bus routes it off to a handler somewhere. And we'll we'll talk about that later. But I like to compare it to sort of paperwork in real life. A command is like a piece of paperwork that you fill out, and you put like your name and your address and you know whatever you need done at the DMV on it, and then you put it in the command bus, and it gets taken care of. Um, on the other hand, like when we invoke a method normally on a particular object, it's more like, oh, here you go. It's like ordering at a restaurant. You're saying, uh, I want steak with fries. You know, that's it. You don't need to write that down. I don't need to fill out a piece of paperwork. But if I have a more complex action, like I want to renew my license plates, I might have to fill out some paperwork on that, and then I'm going to send it off. So it's it's an object that kind of remembers those values in a strict way. That's a little vague, I know. Sorry. Um, so, so you take, you have, you, I guess let's, uh, think about in like a typical web MVC kind of approach. So we route to a controller, right? And then something, uh, in, inside that controller, we have a method and we want something to happen. We want to, to actually change the state in, in the, of, of the application. So we decide what we want to do and we create a command object that represents the desire to execute that action, right? And inside that command, there are all the necessary parameters that you have to have in order to actually execute that action. So what are, is what you're doing, you're like creating an object? You're saying like command equals new whatever command and passing in arguments? Um, is, is that generally how you like to approach it? Uh, me personally, yeah, I, I create this new command and then I pipe it through a form library or um, some sort of deserializer. I just fill it out by hand based on the request. So I just fill out this object. If there's a field in there that says name, I put a name in there. If there's a field in there that says license plate, I put a license plate in there. And I go through and I make sure that the entire thing is filled out. And the object itself is named you know, according to something you want to do, like uh, renew license or renew registration. You know, the name itself expresses what it is you want to do, and this is the information you need in order to do that. So I understand the the license renewal metaphor. What are some examples of commands that you have created in uh, typical web apps? Uh, let's see. Um, there's you know some traditional sort of approaches like uh, create article you know uh, add comment uh, you want to try and avoid sort of the crud based thinking when you do commands you want to think about higher level stuff uh, so a lot of the things I've done with are are usually things where you you have a very specific intent so I mean I could talk about for example uh, I want to assign a resource to this worker for example but those tend to be really client specific and also I have NDAs so I can't mention a lot of them. But, you know, that kind of thing. It, it really depends on what your application wants to do. So I think, what, what about something really simple, like if you need to register a member on your site, uh, how, how far will you go to, to do this? Because I think a typical approach in a lot of um, 
applications or is to you have your controller method and then you interact with your models in that controller method and then set up the response. Jesse, is how do you like to to choose how you build your commands? Are you building commands for like everything or are you sometimes interacting directly with your model in your controller? No, very rarely do I do I interact with the actual model in the controller. And I, I know we were talking beforehand about, you know, sort of getting repositories even injected into controllers and I've even tried to move away from that and just sort of, you know, move the whole layer down into commands. Um, like I've even done, like if you talk about really simple, really specific intent is, um, you know, increment a post count or something like that, right? Um, it's literally an empty command that just says, you know, trigger this this thing to happen, um, which, you know, just delivers a, a bit count increase into, you know, Redis or something like that, so. So I guess um, what you're saying is you treat your, like the, the meat of your application sans like the web part yeah. as this ball over here and whenever you need to do something from the web part, you send a command in to, to, to execute whatever you need to ha happen. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to decouple from controllers as much as I can and I, I don't really do it as a as a you know, as a, as a religious type thing. It's not something where I'm sitting around going like I have to be decoupled from the framework. Um, I just see value in having those commands as um, you know, like Ross is really on the target with with specific intent. I want to know exactly what the request um, that's coming in is actually going to do. Um, and you know, if I have a bunch of logic all stuffed into a controller, um, to find all that all that the meat of it and then to figure out what it's actually doing is going to be a little bit of cognitive load. But if I have a command for, like you said, virtually everything, um, I can basically just read through my commands and see, you know, what is the nature of of what's going on in the, with these requests. Um, with very little cognitive load, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So you don't like putting your repository into the controller. So if you were to put a repository in, into the controller, it would basically just be typically used for for reads. Is that right? Yeah. Or, I would, yeah. Yep. And and but Ross, you don't think that that there's a problem with putting your repositories in your controller? Mm, not necessarily. Um, you know. I think that it's not so much about having the repository, like the underlying database repository in the controller. It's just about something you want to read from. Okay, so that could be a repository. It could be a service. It could be a locator. It could be whatever it is you want to call it. It's just something that you read from, and you have control over that interface. Uh, would I put my, like, raw database connection in my controller? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. But yeah. I, would, I would definitely try to put, like, some object there that I could read from. I don't think there's in anything inherently wrong or, or in the command pattern that says that you can't do reads from the command bus. Uh, I think that's perfectly okay. Um, some people say it's not because they're thinking about it from sort of a CQRS perspective where it says you shouldn't be getting anything back from what you're writing. Yeah, but I think yeah. that the raw pattern doesn't say that that's wrong. But me personally, I prefer not to do it, but, but it's okay, I think. Yeah, and I've, I've done it a little bit. Um, I think if you can get... For me, it's all about naming, really. Um, if, if the repository is sort of named okay, um, and the actual read that I'm doing on, you know, whatever method is, is makes sense. Like, if it's just a user find or something like that, I don't have a big problem with that, because it's, you know, when you read it, you know exactly what's happening, right? It's, it's you can't really misinterpret that. Um, but, I mean, when you get into larger reads where you're putting together aggregates and all kinds of other things, um, or a bunch of entities all need to come back together, then it's, then that's what I'm looking at saying, well, this should probably be a command, and I should probably have an actual 
you know, dedicated uh, handler for it and, and all that. So. so before we get into kind of where the command goes and, and kind of what happens after you put it into the bus, uh, Ross, would you talk for a moment on on cr something you mentioned just a moment before, which is CRUD-based thinking? Sure. So very often when we try and build an application, you know, we think in terms of create, read, update, and delete, right? Th those four things together, those are what we call CRUD. And it just means that you're, you're designing kind of a form that says you can update this, you can remove it, you can change it a little bit, you can create a new one. That's all it means. Unfortunately, like, the real world doesn't tend to work that way. The real world has intent. Um, for example, when I say I, I'm going to go renew my license, for example, I don't say I'm going to go create a license renewal at the DMV. I say I'm going to go renew my license. And so when we sort of like try and shoehorn everything into just one of those four operations, create, read, update, and delete, then we typically miss out on a lot of what it is our application is trying to do. Um, and we often... You know, create. It's not even. It's so much of a modeling concern. It's. It's often we just create really crappy interfaces for our users. Uh, how many times have you gone to a website? You want to update your address, for example, or you want to change your shipping address, and they just give you this page with like 40 forms with all of the user detail that you've ever filled in for them, and they just expect you to go through there and change that. No, I want a link that says, you know, change my shipping address. I want to click that, and I want to do it, and I want it to have only the fields that that are relevant to me. So aside from a user experience, aside from being confronted with way too many fields, what negative do you get from having all of that information modified at once versus exactly what your intent is? Usually when you're modifying a lot of information at once like that, you're, you're really getting down to either thinking about your database and trying to make things easier in your database, which is a shame because your database is not what really enforces your logic, no matter what your DBA tells you. And then secondly... Um, you're usually allowing people to just go in and change lots of fields in mass, okay? So you usually just have lots of setters on your model. And when you do that, it makes it possible for people to, to do invalid things, to make state transitions, to make changes to the model that make no sense whatsoever. If I'm sending you a package, for example, and I have a delivered on date, and I have a um, in transit status, that makes no sense. Like, why would I allow that? but you can do that on the model level very easily when you do CRUD-based thinking. There's nothing in your code that helps you enforce anything it is you're trying to do. It's You have to keep that all in your head yourself. Mm -hmm. I think going going back to the CRUD-based thinking a little bit is um, hooking this, this whole, the whole concept up with, with DDD and BDD practices is where, you know, that's... They really... They, they fit well together because if you look at something, you know, your simple DMV request, right, you don't just hand the form over and it's not just, you know, snap, it gets created, right? There's processes in between there, like you were mentioning, is, you know, you fill out the form, but then that form has to be, you know, verified by another human being, and then it has to be, you know, ran through some kind of validation process, and then, you know, they may have to do a criminal background check on you or something to make sure that you're not, you know, a wanted person or something, right? There's there's a lot of steps there. It's not just, you know, create, application, go. Um, and I think that's where the CRUD-based thinking is, is usually uh, people aren't doing the DDD practices. They're not trying to, have to model the actual business. Um, they're looking at it from, like, a really, really super high level and saying, well... You know, when you ship products, that you know, that's what you're doing. You're literally calling ship on a product. You know, that's that's the end of the story. But I mean, there's tons more, obviously, going deeper. So, 
That's a good point, actually, that, that when you use CRUD-based thinking, it actually makes it really hard to hang extra things in there without bulking up your controller. So if I'm just doing CRUD stuff and it's all in my controller, for example, but suddenly I need to go send an email whenever something happens or I want to add an audit log for every time somebody changes something, I've got to go through every single place in my application to add that. It's a horrible yeah. amount of work. And if I do something like a command bus, for example, suddenly it's a very, very small amount of work. So if you have like 30 fields and all you really want to do is change your address, then you go and you change it, but then you have a requirement change, which is if somebody changes their address, send them an email to say, hey, you just changed your address. How do you take that huge post, that set of post data, and actually figure out if that address changed, right? Is it, Are you just checking the contents of the, the fields from before and after and kind of do a dirty checking. But I think if you have the option of changing your address and hitting a button and only getting the relevant fields and then submitting that form, suddenly it's very clear, okay, they're changing their address. And, and you have actually the thing that your business cares about, you have that separated. And it's like the user cares about it and the business cares about it. So it actually makes more sense from a user experience perspective and from a developmental perspective, I think. For Absolutely. sure. It's definitely easier to handle. I mean, the cognitive load goes way down, especially, I know I know we talked about events a little bit um, beforehand, but that's that's where events really shine for me, right? Uh, when you have little, you know, little side effect things like that that need to happen. Um, you just tie it all together really nicely with a bow with, it, with an event that's fired. Yeah, and I think the commands sort of, like, the events are sort of after you do it, but the commands give you a chance to yeah. do things beforehand. And there's also another thing here that's really interesting, is that how many times have you been working on an application, and you've got two separate models that you need to update at the same time, uh, that because the users would like to have those on the same form. Like, that's the easiest user interface, to have those two things on the same page. But maybe that's a real, real pain for you, because, you know, your technology doesn't support it, your form library doesn't like it, or, or you know, some reason like that. Like, it's just difficult sometimes. And if I'm telling, like, the user interface part, hey, I want you to work with this little command object that's exactly like the user interface I want to represent, then that's, that's peanuts because it's totally separate from the models and the underlying database and everything like that. It's a really great way to bring that strict separation into play. Yep. Okay, so um, really quick, I guess before we move on, I just want to give some examples of commands that, that I've implemented. Uh, also, I just kind of want to point out that the Ross, Jesse, and I, we all have very different experience uh, with these things. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think we share, we share a lot of values, but uh, I do know that we kind of work on different things and we have different uh, amounts of experience even being aware of these concepts. Uh, and I've, I've read, the I think, the Blue Book, DDD book a little bit more recently than Ross. Again, this is not... Uh, that related to the command stuff, but um, so I think that you know Ross probably has a lot, a little bit more of a settled, like mature perspective on some of these things, where I probably a little bit more of uh, the actual content, um, word for word from the book. But uh, I, I think it's been a long time since somebody suggested I'm mature. I mean, after all, I am wearing a, a Santa hat. But but sure. Okay. Um, let's see here. Right. Sorry about so that. that one, yeah, that, we, that went smooth. Okay, cool. So, um, some some examples of some commands uh, I've made: is the Laravel I/O forum, back when that was uh, command driven, before uh, it kind of got taken over, and, and they wanted to do some different things with the code base. And uh, we had stuff like reply to post. We had stuff like uh, uh, 
post a question and some other some stuff like that. Um, so every time we wanted somebody to post a question on the board, we would just create a post a question command, and there, and then that would have like the topic the uh, string that they added and the body of their their query and uh, the author. And we could just kind of put in uh, the author ID. We could just kind of put in that information and then send it into the system, and it, the system would just make it happen. Uh, if you were making a reply, we would have maybe the the question ID or the and the uh, the reply author ID stuff like that. So just basically, we were every time we wanted something to be done in the system, uh, we would just make a command for it. Uh, this has a really interesting consequence, which is you can actually go and look at the command classes you have and know what your system is actually capable of doing, um, which is really kind of fantastic because if you were to go to, uh, go to one of my older code bases and say, okay, what can this system actually do, you're actually going to have to run up some time to figure it out. You're going to have to do some digging, uh, but it, it gets a little bit easier when, when these actual, the operations that you're calling against your application are abstracted out in this way. Right. Yeah. This is the thing they call discoverability, right? And and you get that I think with almost any service layer, uh, because you can look at a service layer class. Usually, we just do those as objects. You read through the methods, you see what they do. But but I think a command bus, like especially for the writes, which is the interesting stuff, that makes it really really explicit. Why yeah, are so the writes more interesting? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jesse. I think that's a, that's a decent segue into talking about the namespacing, right? Um, discoverability through. Like for me, I live in the terminal a lot. Um, so even just being able to to call tree from the root of the project and just staring at the the tree, um, you know, if I do it in in the the root folder where all my commands are, I can, like you said, get a very good overview of what's going on just by looking through what what I have namespaced. So so. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to that old Uncle Bob talk, right? The lost years of architecture or something, where he talks yeah. about like how come I can't look at the source tree and tell you know, like what the application is trying to do. Yep. Yeah, I think that uh, namespacing is a really good subject. Do we maybe want to cover kind of how the command pipeline stuff works first? Sure. Um, let's see here. So uh, you're in your controller, right, and you create this command, and, and you need to execute it. So how does that get executed? Well, we have this concept of a command pipeline where we just throw the command in to the command bus and say, hey, go execute this command. And like from the controller's perspective, there's like a, a visibility wall here and it just kind of throws the command in and there's explosions and awesome Michael Bay action stuff happening over here, but the controller's just like listening to elevator music and, you know, it just takes for granted that, that th good things are happening. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jesse, Ross, you guys want to talk a little bit about uh, the command pip pipeline and kind of what that represents? Um, yeah, for me, I mean, I view it as a, as a nice sort of uh, stack of things that I can, you know, sort of run through if I need to. Um, like you said, the explosions sort of take place and whatever. Um, like I've done it, and I know you had an example, a good example of having like a validation bus um, at one point in the, the Laravel I.O. Uh, thing. Um, and so I ex I've experimented with doing that, um, which is really kind of handy to have. You know, you, you sort of drum up a validator if you need it for your objects going in. Um, and I know there's tons of different validation arguments across the board, but for me it sort of worked out fairly well. Um, and I sort of went really heavy into it and was validating, like, really aggressively and then sort of learned to sort of back off a little bit there and, and do validation a little differently. Um, but I've also experimented with doing other things such as, uh, you know, like, 
adding a, a caching layer in. So if I get a DTO that had, or you know, the command that's coming in is uh, has been seen before, and I can just hash it, then I can uh, instantly retrieve a response out of the database or out of a cache um, if I already have that response and, and it's still a valid response. So there's tons of stuff and, and sort of awesomeness you can decorate into that pipeline. It doesn't just have to be go find the handler, right? The pipeline specifically being like a tunnel between yeah. your your web code, like the, the controller and stuff, and then mm-hmm. the rest of your app, right? So you yeah. like the command kind of goes in the tunnel, and it emerges somewhere in your application where things are happening, and maybe the tunnel is actually made of little tiny tunnels, and each of those little tiny tunnels do interesting things. Yeah, I think maybe so, if you want to look at it as like a subway or something like that, you know, you sort of, the command gets off at a stop or gets back on at a stop or whatever, you know, some things happen, the people shuffle around in the car a little bit, and then finally it gets to the spot where it's, you know, final resting places. So it's, it's almost like a single a single point of entry, which is really interesting and powerful. Um, Ross, do you have any interesting insight that could help uh, illuminate the, the pipeline? Well, I think maybe it's good to talk about it sort of from a practical perspective real quick. That, that when we talk about uh, the entry point, as you called it, um, that we're usually talking about the command is any object that we want whatsoever. It has any fields we want. But the bus, the actual pipeline part where you come into it, uh, that's really, really simple. It's one interface, usually called the command bus or something like that, and it usually only has one method, execute. And all execute does is take any command object, right? So that's a really, really simple interface, and that makes it really easy to write a decorator for, which is how we can sort of stack on extra behaviors. And we can do that for anything that comes into the command pipeline. Um, so that's a really, really normal pattern for, for doing command buses, and I think that's really maybe the killer feature for it, is that you can just stack on this extra functionality. Uh, for example, if I want a log of every single command that's being uh, run in my system with a date and time, then I can take my normal command bus, where I just put in the, the object, the little command itself, and then I'll write, and that routes it to a handler, executes it in some way. But I can put a decorator on top of that, implementing the same interface, and that will just simply take a PSR logger, for example, in the constructor, so that when I call execute with the actual uh, command object, then it will just write it to the PSR log. Okay, so that's a really, really simple example, but now it's effective for everywhere in your application. I didn't have to go hunt through the code in order to get it everywhere. And this stack of decorators, the one thing after the other, that's what we call command pipeline. And there are different ways to implement it, but a decorator is probably the simplest because there's no special concepts or terms except for the decorator pattern itself. Um, so I think that this is a really great feature and maybe the main reason to use a, a uh, a command bus so that you get this for everything here. Um, and I think, again, that's most interesting for writes uh, because that's what changes your application. That's what changes the state of the world. You can do it for reads. Um, I think we talked about that briefly real quick earlier, that you can create commands for reads. I think it's less useful, and I would probably rather do uh, decorate that or do it with a separate object, but opinions may vary on that one. So it's it's kind of an either-or. And also about validation real quick. Um, I do think it's important to, th- to mention that when the command comes into the bus that you can have a validating command bus, uh, for example. Um, but if you want to return an error or something from that, then I would recommend just throwing an exception. Like by the time the, the command comes into the bus, it should already be valid. You should have checked that in the form library. And yes, maybe that means you're running the validator on it twice. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's also a difference between form validation and maybe validating a command, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, uh, 
I had a thought. It's gone. <laughs> Sorry. So, Ross, um, you're working on a command bus uh, open source project, right? Right. Um, so I've been using like command buses, and I keep imp implementing them and re-implementing them for clients over and over again. And then a while back, I was talking to Matthias Nobik, who uh, recently created one called Simple Bus. And he and I were swapping a bunch of emails about that. And you know, like you know, you put two programmers together on the same problem, and you get ten answers, right? Uh, so. Uh, based on his work and then like saying maybe I would tweak it like this or something then I created this other project called Tactician um, which is kind of a play on tactical DDD and also maybe a lot of fire emblem um, but anyways uh, but Tactician is, a, is on my GitHub it's still an active de development so there's not a lot of docs or anything but it's a really really simple command bus um, and maybe it'll go to the PHP league I'm, I'm talking to Andrew Cairns as well I think I said that right um, he actually wrote one that's quite similar, and we're going to see, like, could we merge them together or something somehow. And then maybe there'll be one command bus to rule them all, which would be awesome. But honestly, a command bus, if you just want to implement one for your application itself, we're talking about 100, 150 lines of code. It's a really, really simple thing. Uh, the whole value of having a library, it's a little bit more complicated because you want it to be more flexible. But this is something you can knock out yourself in, like, just a couple hours just to mm -hmm. get a proof of concept for your app. Yeah, I so, think the, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. the idea of having a like one one bus that most of us can probably go to um, and have like maybe community provided decorators for it would be really nice to have. Um, you know, just a set of examples on like this is what you can decorate with um, would be good. So can I ask what what the idea behind making uh, the the packages? I, I know you're implementing it in a lot of your client work. It just seems to me like to be such kind of a simple thing. It's almost even more useful just to have an interface that people can share um, when when working with Command Bus. I agree with that. I mean, and the interface is is really really simple. Um, but I think at any point, right? I think at any point, it's it's why waste the extra hour or two re-implementing it when it's so simple in the first place? And it can get more complex. Like if I want to lazy load my handlers from a DI container or something, that's slightly more complicated than we're talking about two to four hours, and, and that's just a waste of your client's time. And also people will come up with different ideas for what you already had. Um, I've compared the idea previously to sort of like middleware for HTTP, um, and it just enables this, this whole new way of doing code sharing that, that maybe wasn't so accessible before. Um, but again, it's it's a small thing, right? It's the little libraries that everybody loves, not the the giant colossal frameworks. Yeah, and I think with the with something like a command bus, it's very reasonable to be able to make something that actually is like a one size fits most situation. So um, so we have the command coming in, and it goes to the command bus, and the command bus is uh, a great centralized point to do all kinds of interesting things, like. You mentioned that you can have like a really primitive kind of activity logger. You could have, um, you know, uh, like a PSR logger that says this or uh, who is currently logged in at the time. You can get that directly in the service layer from your framework or however you're doing that. Um, it tried. They tried to execute this command, and you can kind of have. You can see how with a very little code you could have a very basic activity log. Of course with something more sophisticated, with more sophisticated needs you probably need to, to do it a little bit differently, but uh, so you, you run through these command buses and, and where does the pipeline end? Uh, so you get, the, your command goes you know, through the logger and it gets to the point where it's just, it's time to execute the command. 
what comes next? I think you can have multiple paths. Um, I know one that one that I really didn't think of until I actually started really using the bus in in production was um, exceptions, right? Um, being able to throw uh, errors directly out of you know a a, a really uh, intent heavy object is really nice because um, you know sort of exactly what's going on and exactly where the the code failed and and that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, yeah. Beyond that, then all of a sudden, you know, you sort of stop. Yeah, the the end stop is the handler, and and your handler starts sort of, uh, you know, drumming up the the beat, I guess, that's going to happen inside of the the rest of the application, right? So you can go through your stack of decorators, but now it's time to actually get some work done, right? It's it's time to start making those modifications in the handler. Um, it's sort of, you know, that's where you're going to be injecting your repositories. That's where um, the rest of your data access and your your events. Um, all this sort of, you know, sort of cascades into the, you know, the climax of of the, the command. <laughs> Definitely, uh, I think that uh, so the command bus itself is a really, really lightweight object. Uh, it's usually just saying, oh, this is like the cl get class name on the command. I'll chop it down to just the last part of it, for example, and then I'm going to map that to a list of objects in an array or something like that. So the command bus itself, like the one that actually does the work, not these these value-added decorators, but the actual command bus is, is really kind of a router. It's just taking this command object in and it's pushing it off to a handler. And for every command, there should be only one handler. There's not like a list of handlers that you can run the same command through multiple times. There's not um, uh, any kind of like complicated default handler, or wildcard handler, or anything like that. Uh, it's just one command. It's like a soulmate, right? The object comes in, uh, the command comes in, it goes to a specific handler, and then that executes it in some way. Now, if you need to do stuff after the fact or something like that, that's where events can be really useful, but that's sort of a separate topic itself. Um, you can also have a decorator fire after an event happens. Uh, an interesting one, for example, like that I've seen is a decorator that is um, a database transaction. So whenever you put a command in, it starts the database transaction, executes the inner one, and then after that is fi has finished, if there's, no, um, if there's no exceptions being raised, then it goes ahead and, f and closes the transaction and commits it. That's a really useful cleanup of a lot of boilerplate code, for example, that we often forget about. Um, so those can happen for some things. The, the, the decorators can help you sort of after the fact on some stuff, but really they're just there to get you to the handler, and then the handler itself is the part that looks up your models, that makes the changes to them, that unpacks uh, whatever's in the command, and then saves it to the database. So the handler itself doesn't have your, your, your application logic necessarily, but it's, it's kind of orchestrating that. It's steering that. It's taking the place of a method that would normally be in your service layer because a command bus is, part of, is a service layer. It's just a different way of implementing it. Right, and, and by service layer you mean it's not part of interacting with the user interface like a uh, web uh, browser or a web uh, you know, API consumer or a command line and it's not part of the business rules and business logic of your app. It's it's the thing that brings all this stuff together and really makes the magic happen. What makes the magic happen is a little bit, but uh, yeah. jazz hands. <laughs> but, so but that, that's I, definitely it. No, that's that's definitely it. I mean, a service layer is this wall between um, um, business concerns and user interface. So if you have multiple user interfaces, you have a command line, you have uh, an API, you have a, a web interface, 
all of these things feed into the service layer, and then the service layer funnels into your actual domain model or whatever's on the backside of that. Um, so it's kind of like the funnel itself. And I actually like the term application service a lot because it kind of describes the role, role a little bit better. It ties all of these different things together, and that's what makes your application. A user interface with no business logic is useless. A domain model with no interface, that's useless. Um, either one of these things without uh, user permissions or ACLs or authorization is frankly dangerous. The, the application service is the thing that bundles these things together into an application. It's all about the orchestration. And, and that's the role you're trying to accomplish here. Like I said at the beginning of the talk, a, a command bus is just a command pattern being used to implement a service layer. That's all it really is. So if you look up those two things, then you, you kind of have the idea down pat. And at, at the end of the discussion, I think we'll try to list some uh, resources that you know have additional information. So uh, it seems to me that the handler, if you would imagine uh, like what you would consider like a traditional uh, industry CRUD app where you have the controller method and it interacts with the model and it interacts with the repositories to save the state and all these things, it almost feels like now all of that stuff gets moved into the handler and then all you're left with in the controller is some maybe some web uh, form stuff and then the actual generation of the command from the request and then piping that into the bus. And then what used to be over there, that the interactions with the model and the, um, the persistence stuff and sending emails, that kind of jazz, that all gets kind of moved out of there into the handler. Definitely. Okay, so, um, but also it's an important point that you already made, right, that each command only has one handler. It's not like one command can be picked up by multiple handlers. It's not an event system like that, per se. No, it's it's really just a straight mapping. So, so uh, like Tactician, when I'm implementing that, uh, the, this new command bus library, then the, the one it ships with so far is just an in-memory uh, locator. It just locates the right handler for this command. And all it does is it just looks at the class name and then it maps it to like a key in an array and the value for that key is just the handler object. And it just figures out how to invoke that method. And, and that's basically it. Now that's an interesting one though at the same time because we actually have the actual operation here split into two classes. One is the command that talks about like the actual paperwork you're filling out, like the actual fields you need to fill in. And then this other class here is the handler, and that's the one that actually does the execution. So it's sort of like the clerical worker on the other side of the desk. Um, now, it's a question to a lot of people about where do you actually put these in your directory tree? And, and a lot of people have different opinions about that. Like me personally, I like to put them like right next to each other in the same directory, and the directory is usually named after um, it, whatever kind of operation I'm doing. So if I'm trying to renew my license at the DMV, then I might have a directory that's like license renewal or just renewal, and inside, you know, I'll have a command, license renewal command and license renewal handler. Or, well, actually, it'd be better to state that as more like the, the verb I'm trying to do. So it'd be more like renew license command. That would be a good name. Renew license handler. So something like that. Just something a little bit uh, that's a very small deal when, when naming these things. Do you find that you prefer to suffix your commands with the word command? I, I don't really have a firm opinion on it. I've, I've worked on a couple places where, like, the team kind of preferred that or it was more in line with what their style was uh, because they were they always tried to have the last noun be whatever the thing was implementing. 
that's that's kind of I think up to your personal feeling. Like I think some people have stronger per- opinions on it, but I'm kind of up in the air still. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, I think this is the same as the camp where it's sort of uh, do you call everything uh, that's an interface? Do you put interface on the end of it? Right? Is it's the same type of thing. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess we have uh, three major pieces that make up the entire command-oriented interface, right? We have the command, then we have the bus or the stack of buses that make the pipeline, and then we have the handler that is like the final resting place of the command. So the, the command passes through the pipeline, and it's read by the handler to execute everything. Does the command, does anything else happen to the command in the handler, or is it just kind of read and utilized uh, in order to interact with the model and the rest of the application. Uh, Jesse, do you have any uh, opinion on this? Yeah, I usually just, that's sort of like the, the death of, of the of the request. It, it comes through and, and that's sort of where, like you said, it's, it's consumed. You you sort of deconstruct the, the pieces you need as you need them for your, your actual application uh, logic that's going to, you know, live in your domain model or whatever, whatever else. Um, and that's, I haven't really done anything, you know, after that um, myself, no. That's I agree with Jesse on this one. It's that's basically where the the command kind of stops. It, it gets to the handler and the handler uses it and discards it. Um, there are maybe some extra roles the command can play, like uh, our good friend uh, Everzet uh, turned me on to this idea of you can do some mapping inside the command. So maybe you're using a value object or you have a couple fields that become one object at the end, like. Um, uh, maybe you want to map some things to a date time or, or an IP address object. Maybe they're actually ni- separate fields initially. And so uh, he has this idea, for example, that you fill out the individual pieces on the fo- on the, the command object, and then when it gets inside the handler, you can say something like um, get license plate as value object or something like that, and it just returns that for you. So like the actual conversion there is inside the command itself. Now, you don't want to put too much logic in the command, um, because some people would argue that you that a command is just a message, really. It doesn't have logic. It's it's just a message, and you want to reserve the right to maybe serialize it and send it over the wire or queue it or something like that. Um, but but these little simple helper operations, they, they're a really good fit for the command itself. I've been using, uh, like, named constructors for that sort of uh, um, behavior on my commands where, you know, if, if I'm instantiating a command, I'll do sort of, you know... Uh, I've been working with Laravel quite a bit, so it's from, you know, you build your command and then the command call a static method called, say, like, from HTTP request. Um, and then that method has the, the knowledge of how to deconstruct the HTTP request and pull whatever I need out of that and then, you know, basically fill the command out and, and make sure that, yeah, like, if I have any extra objects or extra little pieces of logic that need to happen, that's usually where it happens. What would you say to somebody who thinks that your command should not have the knowledge about how to pick apart the requests? Um, I would say, on a practical level, it's worked really, really good. So I would have a hard time arguing against it. Um, it, it there's a little bit of coupling there, I guess, that, that some people might not like. But for me, it's it's just worked really well. That that you know, if if I need to if I needed to put another type of adapter in, then maybe you know I could uh, put it somewhere else. But for me, it's worked really nicely. Uh, I, I kind of agree. Like a command, like the value of a command is that it has no value. It's it's totally unimportant, right? It's mm-hmm. like um, it's like a a Pokemon. 
You know, you, you catch it, you make it, you use it to do your bidding, and then when it's not good enough anymore, you get, throw it away. You, you put it in a box and never use it again, right? So that, that's as far as it goes. And if I have two different ways of doing something, but they have slightly different interfaces, like uh, maybe the interface for how something works in the command line versus how it works on a web request or an API request, maybe it's mostly the same behind the scenes and I can share some code in the handler, but yeah... For the rest of it, make two command objects. Who cares? They're they're not important, and that's why they're so useful. They're just disposable. So if you have if you have all these command objects, and then you have the, all these handlers, do you feel that there is a bunch of overhead, maybe cognitive overhead, maybe otherwise, that gets added to your application? For me, definitely not. Like I found that it's it's definitely easier. Um, I know, like it's it's more files and whatever. I'm used to having quite a lot of files open, anyways. Um, so it's nothing new, but it's really for me. It's easy to just read through the file structure and say, you know, command handler, command handler. Here's, you know, this is what's happening between the two of them. So. Yeah, I, I agree there. That I actually find it to be quite a bit simpler because the way that the controller interacts with the command is often a lot simpler. So I do mostly Symphony 2 work these days, and Symphony 2 forms just automatically, they, they have basically data binding, like almost like you see in JavaScript. And they just write to public properties back and forth or getters and setters automatically. So I can basically automate or, or uh, delegate most of the work that would normally be my controller to get that stuff right. And then I can focus on what's going on just behind the scenes in the handler. Uh, so that works really, really well for me. The only time I would think that it's um, too much overhead or, or too much cognitive load is when you're trying to use a command bus for something that's not appropriate. And I think that that's when, for example, you're doing a really, really simple application, like something that's just absolutely trivial. Uh, you know, maybe it's like three or four pages in a contact form. I mean, I wouldn't use a, a command bus for a contact form. But anything beyond that, I think it pays itself off really, really quickly, especially if we can create libraries that, that just slap a lot of the stuff together for you very easily. Now, so your stance is that anything above an incredibly trivial app, you will use the command bus with? Not quite. It, it depends a little bit on, on different circumstances, like the team I'm working with, if they want to make that leap or not. Um, it's my preferred way to build a service layer. I really, really like it. But I would say that in my practical projects, it's probably only in about 50% for various reasons. Like maybe it just wasn't convenient. Maybe it's a legacy app and there was no real value in adding it at this point, although it's a good way to, to chop up stuff in a legacy app. Um, but it's, it's not the most important decision you make in, when designing or building. What about you, Jesse? What do you think is the right time to use this? Uh, and what do you think is maybe a, definitely a wrong time to use this? Yeah, I think Ross is a, is a right idea. It's sort of, uh, for me, it's always determine what kind of complexity you have and, like, how many intentions do you have throughout your app, right? Like, are you dealing with, you know, a, a business uh, where, you know, if it's just going to be, you know, sending greeting cards or something like that, there's not a lot of intentions there, right? Um, you can't have a, a whole group of different types of intentions. Um, you're going to have one or two. But if you have a, a very complex, you know, accounting-type business or something, you may have a lot of different intentions and, and I find value in expressing those intentions through commands and, and you know once I have a bunch of them then I sort of want to say uh, you know that's when I need my commands when when I start having I guess I don't know if we could put a number on it but you know once you're, once you're starting to get out of hand and say <clears throat> you know I have a bunch of you know uh, intentions all separate and I need to sort of 
keep them in line and figure out which ones go where and all these other things. That's that's where the namespacing and the commands really helps me uh, get an overall better view of the whole project. For me, um, once I, I'm sorry. I was just to say, I really like that, that metric, right? It's not about how much functionality you have. It's not about how many features you have. It's about the number of intents. It's about the number of different actions you want to express. Because even if you only have, like, one or two real actions, but you have four or five different ways of filling in a form or, or expressing that to a user, then four or five different commands is actually a nice way to reuse that. Yeah. I think for me, uh, I started just using the pattern uh, because it, it felt like immediately it was like cleaning up my apps and making my apps just more, just easier to work with. And that's all I really care about at the end of the day. I just want things to be easier and more clear. And uh, so at at this point in time, I'm I'm basically until I figure out something that actually works better for me. Um, in in most of the situations, in most of the contexts that I operate in. I just immediately start using this because it's it's for me like a, a a great improvement over what I was doing before. I like it so much better than having service objects uh, that you inter uh, interact with on a method level from your controller or your presentation layer. Um, I think I think when you're having to inject all these service objects into your controller and then interacting with them, you have uh, you know an additional dependency concerns and when all you have to do is create, uh, you know, bring in this bus and then construct your command and pass it in, the the bus can instantiate the handler however it needs to. Um, do, do you guys, does everybody kind of use a dependency injection container to instantiate their handlers so that you can inject whatever you want into them? I Definitely. do, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I really mm -hmm. like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, for me, I know it was... Uh, you know, prior to using the bus, I, I was always sort of staring at these controllers, like you said, with a lot of service injections in them going like, you know, when is this going to get better and how can I change this and how can I make it better? And I had a lot of discussions with people, even, uh, you know, on IRC and whatever else going like, how do how do we do service layers better? Um, and then when the bus came along or when I, I guess when I sort of started looking at it and started using it, it was sort of a, you know, now I look at that and go like, wow, that was a lot of injection smell there. Like, you know, I'm I'm talking like upwards of like six or eight, uh, you know, service things being injected into one controller, and now all of those are separated nicely into handlers. Um, you know, where I have like one or two injections on a handler instead of six or eight in one controller type thing. So it really cleans that up nicely too. I agree. That's a really great point. That I feel like it makes it more resilient, not just to to you know getting rid of so many things that you have to worry about mocking or anything like that or wall of Demeter violations, but um, also for refactoring over time, right? Because as long as you have access to the command bus, then you can dispatch an operation. You don't have to worry about which object you have, or is the interface kind of consistent, or maybe we use this term on this method over here, so we should use it on this one over there. It's all really, really clean and straightforward, actually. So it, it, it's just simpler in a, in a strange sort of way. And what about testability? I feel like it goes way, way up. That uh, in the controller level, all I have to do is, for example, uh, create kind of a mock for the command bus and make sure that it receives the, com uh, the command object I expect with the values I expect. Um, for the command object itself, they're really, really simple. Um, you can just write unit tests for it. And then for the handlers themselves, well, yeah, you just have to simulate the command object coming in that you expect. So you, you get rid of a lot of 
uh, nested if statements, is this form valid, is it not valid, do I call all these things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And once you get to that handler level, once you're in the handler itself, you're free to do anything and everything you want. So you can build that proper domain model or you can just hack out a quick piece of placeholder sacrificial architecture code or something like that. You know, and that's one of the things that I really like about command buses in general, that the command object itself is kind of a simple getter setter object, right? And that's what the tools we have are really good at working with. You know, so form libraries, HTTP mapping, stuff like that, they all want getter setter code. But behind that handler curtain, we can do anything we want. So it's sort of like you've got CRUD on the outside, but domain model for the Chewy Center. Um, okay, so this is a really tough question, and I think we've touched upon it, but I really want some real firm answers. Do you use commands for reads? I want to. I want to hear e each of you talk about commands uh, for reads. Jesse, you're first. Uh, yes, I try to use them as much as possible. Um, I guess I, I look at it as uh, I, I have an intent to read as much as I have an intent to to change something, um, and that's I guess what I go with. Uh, it may be a little overhead, it may not be, I don't know, uh, but it's 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 sort of another layer of, of cognitive load that I that t I can take off of my own, uh, you know, ability to discover. Um, I don't have to really um, try and look through the controllers to figure out, you know, if I were to, to, you know, put a bunch of data into the application, what would I get out of it then, right? Um, and if I have a bunch of, of commands that all say exactly what they're reading out of the application, then I can sort of get a nice high-level overview of this is what's going in and that's what's coming out only just by looking at the files. I don't even have to look at the code, really. So I'm firmly in the camp of, yeah, use them for reads. So how would you name a read command? Uh, th this is an interesting question to me. Yeah, I've I've gone through a couple of iterations where it's just like, you know, I've gone through, like, get this, get that, or find this, find that. Um, but I've, I've tried to come back towards more of a um, sort of a natural language way of, of doing things. So, you know, uh, require something or, or you know, um, transfer or, you know, to talk about it in real real people terms rather than just, you know, strange computer science-y terms like get, set, and all these other things. So, so what about you, Ross? I can definitely see some advantages of, of doing the reads through the command bus, but I sit a little bit more firmly in the the no return value camp. Not because I think it's it's more architecturally sound or pure or anything, but it has a different set of trade-offs that I kind of prefer. Um, so I feel like uh, by separating out what I'm getting in terms of reading and writing from different objects, um, you know, you can get into whether or not that's formal CQRS or not, but I feel like I get some advantages. Um, also, like from kind of a static typing perspective, uh, a command bus is a single object, and you can't count on a guaranteed return value from it, right? Um, so you have to get that from a particular read method in order to have a stat uh, to have strict typing on that, and that's not necessarily just to get autocomplete, but it's also just for reasoning about it, for for having assurances that you're getting what you expect, and so on. So personally, I like to uh, to read from a different object, be that a service object or repository or something like that. Specifically, I like to maybe if I'm rehydrating a form copy some of that information over to a command, and then I shoot that command back into the command bus. So for me, it's like this kind of this nice cycle, so to speak. Um, and sometimes that comes with a little bit more boilerplate code, 
um, sometimes I find that the actual end result is a bit simpler. And I think a lot of the code that is boilerplate there that I'd like to investigate like next year, maybe trying to automate that. Like in Java and C Sharp, they have this entire class of libraries called DTO assemblers that do nothing but copy state from one object to another through standard ways. And maybe that's something that would be sort of taking a lot of the cognitive load or at least the boilerplate effort off of this. Um, so that's just kind of like how I prefer to do it. I don't necessarily think there's a right or a wrong. A while back I took kind of a poll on Twitter about, hey, people who are using uh, service layers or command buses, like how are you doing reads in your application? Like, man, we got like every answer imaginable under the sun. Nobody is doing it the same way. Uh, so I think that there's some like formalized methods for doing writes in your application because that's sort of where the interesting stuff happens. But either nobody cares enough to create a consensus for reading or there just isn't one yet. But I think it's still evolving. So I'm maybe just enjoying myself putting you on the spot a little bit. But what if you need to fire a command and then get some kind of identifier so that you can then redirect the user somewhere relevant to the, res the, the outcome of that command? Right, so the CQRS answer to that, for example, would be to uh, put the ID on it up front. So to, you know, usually put a UUID because you can generate that in the controller and then pop that on the command and then go with it from there. So that's, that's kind of the pat answer. Um, I think in practice it's a lot more complicated. Uh, you might also choose to have the user sit there and poll. I think one of the worst things you can do in PHP, though, is sit there and wait for an event to come back like pretending like, you know, you actually have this long period to, to do that. I think that's actually a really, really bad anti-pattern. Um, but I think the number one way is do the ID up front with the UUID if you can, um, or just create a, a synchronous method to do it and, and rely on that a lot of times. You know, a command bus has a certain set of advantages usually for stacking decorators and stuff on. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's... Um, no possibility of using like a, a more old-fashioned object method for it. Currently, I can see kind of I can see from both ways, and I've really gotten into using UUIDs. I really think that they offer a lot of uh, power up front, so you can you can you can have the ID up front, fire off the command, and then just expect that if you know no exceptions thrown, then you're going it's it's a reasonable situation. Um, uh, to, at the same time, I can see kind of see where Jesse's coming from, where commands and can have response. So you have a send in and send out, and it kind of just acts like the applications over there, and you're throwing something in and getting something back out. I do see what you're talking about, where, where if you if you were able to do return type hitting uh, on on the command bus, you would have to just rely on some real generic type that wouldn't even give you the kind of uh, functionality that you want, right? Some interface is obviously not going to have the, the methods that you're going to need to use. So it's, it's, it's like immediately basically invalid in that context. But if, it, if you're thinking like in a more, <clears throat> excuse me, dynamically typed thing and it's a little bit less formal, I can see how it works. And I've, and I've used it both ways, I, a little bit more Jesse's way than, than what you described. Um, and it's worked, and I haven't really hit a lot of limitations, uh, or, or I haven't really felt like I got bit really hard by it. But I, I, I definitely think that the pros and cons are worth uh, pointing out there. So uh, we're yeah. running short on time. Uh, is there any topics that you guys want to cover really quick? Uh, something that you think is kind of important to have mend? 
I think the only other one that we've kind of talked about previously a little bit is uh, is REST. Um, that's kind of a separate topic in and of itself about whether or not just posting commands to a single endpoint represents a good RESTful interface. Um, I feel like it's a little bit more RPC myself unless you're providing hypermedia for it, where you're actually like sending to the client, like, hey, these are descriptions about the types of commands and how you can format them and stuff. But that's, that's kind of a separate topic altogether. Um, but... I would say that like it's not inherently wrong to just post them, but you are creating a huge degree of coupling, so I would only use that for like a very, very internal interface, personally, never for a public API. What about you, Jesse? No, I'm good. Yeah, well, I feel pretty comfortable, and, and thanks, everybody, uh, for, for posting these great questions. <clears throat> I want to thank... Uh, Jesse and, and Ross for meeting with me today. I, I know it's Friday, and Ross, for you, it's the middle of your evening on Friday. So thank you both very much for coming. Yeah, thanks well, for having me. Let's see here. Um, so where can people learn more about this kind of thing? I know that Ross has a talk on YouTube. Ross, do you want to tell us the official name for that? Right. The official name for the talk is Models and Service Layers, Hemoglobin and Hobgoblins. Uh, but if you honestly just search for Ross Tuck with models and service layers, you'll find it. I would recommend, however, that you take the version of the video from DrupalCon of this year, not the older PHP Northwest version. The new version has a lot of content about reading and things like that, and frankly, I think some corrections and improvements to the sample code. Um, also, if you're interested in the command bus library I'm writing, uh, then take a look on my GitHub page. It's called Tactician. Uh, it's, it's still very, very early. And then you can also go ahead and take a look at Andrew Karen's library, that, which is called Sargent. We did not collaborate on the names. It just happened that way. <laughs> nice. Um, at, excuse me, <clears throat> at Laracon uh, in New York City, I gave a talk uh, on command bus and domain events. It was a little while ago, and, and some, of my, some of my views have matured a bit, but it has visual diagrams and stuff that may... Uh, provide some value. Um, then, let's see. So, I guess uh, my last point is sorry for, for mentioning uh, on Twitter that we were going to be talking about some DDD patterns. I kind of actually thought that we were going to get a little bit more into some other stuff, but I always forget how short an hour actually is. Yeah, well, it's just a good excuse to have it next time. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we might as well have round two or three. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, thanks everybody for coming. Thanks for for coming and watching. And if you guys have any questions, you know, um, hit us up on Twitter or come into the Dev Discussions IRC channel on Freenode. If you go to dev-discussions.com, you can see a little bit about our channel and uh, you know what we're kind of here to talk about uh, these things in kind of an open way without worrying too much about you know not being uh, the 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 Greg Youngs and uh, Eric Evans and other people out there. So yeah, just just developers having conversations. So come and join us. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Dev Discussions. And I guess this is a this is us signing off. Thanks everyone. See ya. Happy holidays. <laughs>